the thing I say to them all is learn to listen for the pauses and the uptake of breath. And I come in on the pause and the uptake of the breath. Nina, I'm just wondering. So as I notice you rise to breathe, I just come in and go, Nina, and say your name. I'm just wondering. Would you be able to explain to me what your thinking was behind that? Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Alan Parker OAM was awarded the Order of Australia Medal for service to business, particularly dispute resolution. Alan Parker is an expert in brain science, applied neuroscience, adult education and mediation. Author of Switch On Your Brain and Negotiator's Toolkit, co-author of Beyond Yes, Negotiating and Networking, Alan has been a scratch golfer and run 16 marathons and 11 ultra marathons, including 24 hours twice. I've had the honour of seeing Alan present many times over the last two decades through our involvement with Professional Speakers Australia. His presentations are dynamic and somewhat unpredictable. Alan leads an experimental learning laboratory exploring thinking, doing and being different from yesterday's way. I'm truly honoured to meet with you today, Alan. Welcome, Alan Parker. Nina, Nina, there we go. You can edit that one out. <laughs> well, Nina, someday, it's always a joy to be and in the presence. We, we go way back. I remember when yeah. I was president of uh, the Sydney chapter of Professional Speakers Australia, then called yes. National Speakers yes. Association, yes. and you gave up an entire day to educate the chapter leadership team in, well, actually, it was all about communication. Start oh, with, cool. it was why, what, how? Yes. <laughs> I remembered that to this day. I wrote those words down. They were in my paper yeah. diary. Every time I looked at the back page, there they yeah. were. It's it's internalised yeah. now, Alan. You do. Uh, you've, you've got me a- back there already. You've got me back there. I, I remember we... We did it almost in the round. Yes. And and it was a strategy meeting. Yes. But it was a strategy meeting is what do we do with the next year? And and it was mask it was headline strategy or masquerading as strategy. But it was really how do we create change? Yeah. And then when we nailed that down, it was how do we actually interact and Mm. interplay with our fellow human beings in our group, across the organisation, to our audiences, to the public. Because you are an expert in social communication and I think one of the um, themes of the uh, podcast embedded in the name, it starts with manage self. Yes. Because it's all about self-leadership. Yeah. And you can't lead people unless you are modifying 
your knee-jerk reactions to things. Oh. Think about the words that you use, the <laughs> impact it's making. So do you mind if I say write? about that? <laughs> and for those that are listening, Alan has a, a flip chart in the background and he's writing up keywords and he just wrote, modify internal reactions. reactions. Gosh, if that's not the secret to life post-COVID, mm. I don't know what is. Yeah, because, see, in my experience, there are two types of managers. And, uh, look, you can be a self-employed person managing a team, which I was, or yes. you can be employed yes. uh, with bosses managing you and you managing those below your direct reports, or you could be aspiring yep. to be a manager. But if you just operate, like, from the first words that pop into your head, and not even looking at for the reaction, and then thinking, self-reflecting, how yeah. could I how could I improve the way I communicate, yeah. or how do I create change in a human? How do I motivate my people? Yeah, and I I have lots of things I'd like to comment on there because I think it's beautiful substance. Um. I can only bring about the change in others that I can demonstrate in myself. And just I just can't ask somebody to make a difference if I haven't changed first. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's such a critical message. And I've got to get me right so that I can be available to. And of service to. And connected with. You know, my, my last 13 years, I've been devoted to studying neuroscience. And I've always, you know, wrote Switch on Your Brain. In I've had that book for 30 years. Oh, well, I, it's still in print. <laughs> <laughs> I... And I knew nothing about neuroscience when I wrote that book. And now I know a little bit about it. Yeah. And and I think, Nina, the secret is if we're going to know ourselves so that we can be available to and of service to others and deeply connect with others, I've got to have some understanding of this thing that sits in my in my skull called a brain that has so much potential we can't even perceive. And I think one of the great traps of the last 40 or 50 years in the leadership world is that we got too caught up in personality because personality is what I arrived with. Yes. Yeah. Now, there's a massive number of things that occur and change who I present and turn up as. Yeah. But we have this myth that this is who I am. And the reality is I haven't got a clue. Oh, that you can't change, that it's fixed. It's you know what? I hear this a bit when I'm working with people. They'll say, oh, that's yeah. just the way I am. That's and I say, own. up till now. <laughs> up until now. Yeah. I, I, I have to control myself because I go, oh, you've got – you got you got at least four billion neurons sitting there waiting. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Will you engage me? Yes, that's right. Yeah? And we haven't 
gosh, I don't know about you, Nina, but I look back at who I was in the past and who I am now. There is no similarity. I'm sometimes shocked by my 20-something and my 30-something person. <laughs> I go, I'm sorry, every, anybody I ever offended because <laughs> I just didn't know any better and I yeah. wasn't even trying. Yeah. You know, <laughs> These days I do try. And, and it really, I love to go simple and biological that who I am is more determined by this substance called water yeah. than almost anything else. Well, except oxygen. You, you say, you mean that we need to stay the hydrated? The two most important things for brain health. The thing I say to people is, and I don't, I don't tell people to stop anything. Right. Um, I just keep saying, add more. So I, I say to people, if they're having coffee, see, coffee, alcohol, are diuretics, they pull water out of your body. Yeah. And the next day, your brain can't function as well. You know, don't care how good people go, oh, I'm good the next day. I go, you might think you are, but your brain won't function as well. Mm. Because if there isn't enough water, there's not enough oxygen delivered in the water to the brain. Right. And the oxygen burns the glucose, produces glutamate, and glutamate produces clear thought. One of the things that you're expert in is is language and communication and choice of words. And, you know, like, um, uh, the, well, the last presentation I saw, you went into the art of asking questions. So when whatever your choice of words are, whoever you're communicating with, the choice of words will determine what, what their reaction is going to be. So, Absolutely. for example, that very simple one, we've got a whole episode on the podcast on yes and versus yes but oh, i saw it <laughs> yeah. i watched it avish parashar yeah yeah <laughs> now yes and leaves the the inquisitive propositional part of your brain going what's coming yes yeah that's right so you actually it's stimulating a particular piece of the brain that sits and waits and goes oh what's happening yes and so I've, I've just just dot, dot, dot. taking out but and i'm so pleased I, I watched that last night and putting in and moves you out of the alert system into brain receptivity right. and speculation and curiosity yeah good now what I did then was I was putting forward a proposition to you and as you were receiving it and nodding your head, yes. every time you started to nod, I paused so that it gave you time to receive it and acknowledge it. So you're suggesting that we need to put more pauses oh. in our communication. See, we're so we're so rushed and so busy, our alert system, our automatic reactivity that you mentioned earlier, our reactivity is running the show. And I'm likely to sit up here and talk at 300 miles an hour and never leave a gap. And you're going to just sit there spellbound, looking at me like a stunned fish. Because you were fire-hosing me. And it's fire-hosing. Yeah. And how many times have we been in meetings, Nina? around boardroom tables like what's behind you and there's been eight people there 
and we left an hour later and two of them or three of them dominated the whole thing and three never spoke. The fast talkers dominated. Oh. And the, the message there is oh. if you're one of the introverts that doesn't like to interrupt, yeah. you need it, it, it is your obligation to say, can I please just ask you to slow down? Yes. I need more time to, to take this in. Yeah. Yeah. And and Nina, now you'll notice that time I came in as soon as you finished, I went and 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 deliberately stumbled. And Nina, I'm just I'm just wondering if I if I may, can I just ask you a question about what you just mentioned? Would that be okay? And that's how now, you can stop a fast talk. That's how an introvert comes in and behaves. In, if you watch, I've lowered my body, yes. I've dropped my voice, I've asked permission, yes. I've demonstrated humility. Yes. Yeah? Yes. And got you curious. Yeah. Yeah? And now I've got your head nodding again and your eyes are flickering so you can think about where to apply it. And here's the thing. Well, you know what I was thinking? A lot of introverts who say nothing at meetings actually have deep thoughts that need to be oh. expressed. And <laughs> there's a perfect example, the VW company, Dieselgate, where they try <laughs> that who, who what leaders decided it was a good idea to try and um shaft the US government by putting in software that pretended the emissions were being reduced during tests. And then when it was found out, I think some a few people went to jail and they'll find billions of euros. The thing is, if you don't say what you're thinking at a meeting, you're there for a reason. And if you happen to be a deep thinker and an introvert that doesn't like to interrupt, it is your duty yeah. to find, to yeah. use exactly what you just demonstrated, yeah. Alan, yeah. a way to actually slow things down, especially yeah. if you want to bring up, look, I have a feeling there's a pitfall we're not think not re thinking about. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever is the trap yeah. or the obstacle that maybe people or the unintended consequence yeah. no one else is uh, thinking about. That's your yeah. duty to bring it up. It, and the thing I say to everybody who's junior, a little uncertain, not confident, introverted, or has had an unfortunate circumstance in the past that's made them hesitant. The thing I say to them all is learn to listen for the pauses and the uptake of breath. And I come in on the pause and the uptake of the breath. Nina, I'm just wondering. So as I noticed you rise to breathe, I just come in and go, Nina, and say your name. I'm just wondering. Would you be able to explain to me what your thinking was behind that? Now, what I'm not going to share with you is I heard you say it, and I thought, that's ridiculous. It can't happen. She's completely out of touch, but I can't dare tell her that. <laughs> right. Can you share with me your rationale behind that so that I understand it better? That's great. Yeah? There's no blame. There's no accusation. Yeah, that's the back of your mind. That's prompting you. But see, it's coming in with curiosity, not and asking a question. Permission, curiosity, 
Actually, timing. Timing. I've got to come in on the uptake of the breath or the pause. Right. Yeah. Now, you, you're aware I manage very large international meetings. You do. I can have, you know, three or 400 people in a room. I've always got my peripheral vision on. Yes. The reason I've got my peripheral vision on is the minute I see somebody go and take a big breath and they're going to come in with that reactivity that you could, yeah, well, what about? <laughs> the minute I hear them coming in with that and I watch, I see them and I see them take the breath and get make a forward movement. Right. The moment I do that, I go, so what I need you to understand, and I raise my hand toward them and look in the opposite direction. Now, so I do your that. body language, because some people are only listening here, you've yep. you've put your hand up in sort of a stop motion. I, I float my person, hand. But looking away. Clever. Yep, I float my hand toward them, and my eyes always go in the opposite direction. I practiced it for years. Oh. And the moment you float your hand toward them, and what you might be thinking is, and I've now got their attention back. And then I can add an extra point, which may be they wanted to interrupt me halfway through. And it may be about the thing I'm about to say. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes now, you're about to qualify a statement, but yeah. they've just heard the statement and they, they didn't wait for the qualification. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 So if I can do timing, permission, permission, genuine inquiry. I'm just wondering is one of my favorites. I suspect what could be, and that's where I bring in the would, the could, the might. Would, could, might is speculative language. Yes. Which triggers the speculative brain, which is always wanting to be curious. Yes. And it also means that there's not a right or a wrong. That's right. So I take the now. If I jump to an an environment where I've got um, Asian people, Chinese, uh, Indigenous Australians, Melanesians, where they face savings extremely important, and they yes. don't, they're not, they're indirect cultures. Yes. So they don't do that. Yeah. If I've got somebody in that culture, and I do, what will we do? I'm not going to get very much information. What will go, we... I'm just wondering what we might be able to do here. Oh. And it takes out the ability to be wrong or to lose face. Because I have a saying, always look for the second right answer. <laughs> because the first, some people, the first thing that comes in their head, that's what we're going to do. It's like, hang on. There's at least 20 possible courses <laughs> of action. Yep. Yep. So think about what the other course of action might be. What's now, another version of it? <laughs> now, I watched enough of your um, podcasts, which were beautiful and entertaining and informative, but I watched enough of them to go, there's definitely a hidden theme here of innovation and newness. Right. And if we... Uh, now, I'm an empirical scientist, behavioural scientist. I drive everyone nuts. Um, I'm not interested in very much that isn't measurable. 
But the one thing I know for sure, that if I ask you to solve a problem and you give me your first answer, I know that it's one you've done before. Right. And it's one that you probably feel safe and secure with. Yes. And it absolutely is not innovative. Yep. If I then go, Nina, just by chance, if that one didn't get up or somebody objected to that, what would be your fallback position? Good question. Now, <laughs> I play around in the area. And this is, what as would, a manager, you are dealing... with your fallback position? That's right. And as a manager, you will have both growth mindset people and fixed mindset people and... If you're an innovative manager, you need to have the language that will satisfy a fixed mindset so they can actually open up and be open to other possibilities. Let me let me honor Dr. Dweck and oh, her experience. Yeah. Um, a growth mindset is available every minute in every human being. Yeah. Every minute in every human being. Yes. If I stay out of definitive language, we live in this world that says you've got to be confident and certain. And I go, I want to be humble and curious. Yeah. I'm not certain about anything except I don't know anything that I thought I knew. Mm. You know, every bit of science I've ever read 10 years ago, half of it's proven categorically to be wrong. Yeah. But if I can just encourage the human brain and the individual I'm with to explore possibility, not talk about talk possibility, but have them explore it. And I go, Nina, I, I have a suspicion, Nina, that there's a whole realm of the area that you're working in that's yet to be untapped. Does any part of you have that sensation that there's still something magical to be untapped? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's Nina, there's not a human, there's not a human being in the world who won't say yes to that. Yes, that's great. Yes. We intrinsically know there's more. Mm. We know there's more. You know, Alan Parker runs doubt in his mind at you know, I'm 70, two days ago, I was 71. I still Happy can't Happy birthday. <laughs> I think I'm 40. <laughs> I think I'm 40. Well, apparently, yeah. if you think you're 40, you are 40. Oh, yeah. Well, I, my experience <laughs> is I'm 40. Um, but if we can just go, Nina, there is more for us to be done. There's more for us to do, isn't there? More yeah. than ever. And 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 it'd be a joy if we might take some time to explore that together. Right. Yeah. And take some time. Take some time. Yeah. Explore that together. Yeah. It's such beautiful, uh, seamless language. Yeah. And and this is the thing. What I what I have learned because I started as a rookie manager 30-plus years ago. I knew nothing about modifying my language in order to communicate better for interper better interpersonal communication, especially with direct reports. 
And now I've I've actually got this little toolkit of favorite phrases. Like one I like to use is if you do decide to, dot dot dot. I can then talk about what happens after they've decided without them telling them. Absolutely. Or you have to choose. Choose now. now going and then I'll tell going you what back happens. to your request earlier about can I talk about the questions? That's a hypothetical question. Right. Now, hypothetical question is the primary question to get innovation out of a human being. Yeah, that's great. Now, Nina, if I don't do enough what and how, inquiry. Yes. And then what and how would, could, might, speculative. Yes. And I don't confirm what you say often enough. I can't go to the magic that's produced by hypothetical. See, so as you tactic. go, you confirm what they've just said. Absolutely. And you do that's a that's a meeting tactic as well. Yes. yes. For anyone that wants to lead a meeting and influence a meeting, Indeed. you start by confirming what has just been said Absolutely. and then add your piece. And yeah. that's where in it uh, uh introverts can really oh. shine. Absolutely. Because they're not they're not doing all the talking, they're actually doing all, uh, all uh, the listening before they talk. They can use the tactic of summarising what's been said and then adding their piece. As as a kid who didn't read until I was thirty, I I did become a very good listener, mm. and and I'm blessed, Nina, with um with really a remarkable memory. Um, yes. I I had four hundred and sixty two meeting four hundred and sixty two meet people at the World Investment. Forum for the with the United Nations, and I greeted every person by name. Gee whiz, that's I learned, pretty good. I, I studied their photographs, learned their titles and names as they were arriving. It took me six months. I spent six months. That's how important relationship and connection is. The lesson there is: any leader should know the names of every single person in their building that they communicate with over Zoom, over Teams, yep. online. Yeah. You can't no, there's no excuse for not using people's names and not rem, not finding finding out. Yeah. 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 And and it's you'll notice for people, and I've been very consciously, as I always do when I'm recorded, um, I'm consciously demonstrating behavior patterns to the group who get to see this and that's right and and to hear it mm. um and i'm not i'm not describing much of what they'll see but more of what they'll hear that's right the group will notice that every time you make a comment i in some way acknowledge it yes oh yeah uh-huh absolutely so nina you're asking about the questions and and you mentioned those options and I applauded you mentioning get the second option <laughs> because it's not until we get to the fifth option that innovation will turn up. Right. That's been an experiment I've been tracking for ages. Is the first thing you'll put forward will be a claim and it'll be something you've, you've got fixed bias to. The second will be something that you've probably played around with. The third one will be something that you're likely to do, but you're scared or nervous or don't have the confidence in. The fourth one will be something you're a little bit awkward to say, but deeply believe in. 
The fifth one will be something in particular if you're an introvert that you've been sitting on for the last two years thinking one day I'll get to say that. Yeah. And the innovation. The innovation walks out of every meeting, Nina, in the heads of the introverts. Yes. And this is why conversational equality is considered one of the attributes of the most effective teams and the manager is it's up to the manager to say, well, let's hear from all the people we haven't heard from yet at this meeting. And then just go around the room and just uh, by name say, well, you've been listening. What, what do you think, Jane? What do you think, Jack? And, and just get, get it out on the table. Yeah. And Nina, I have a couple of really wonderful letters that I've received from global meetings that I've run. And one of them was from a colleague in the United Nations in Geneva. And she said to me that I was in the meeting and I do believe it's the first time I've ever been in a a meeting for the United Nations. So I'm not at the United Nations, it's for the United Nations. It's the first time I've been to a meeting for the United Nations where everybody in the room spoke. Right. And how did you achieve that? You said there were 430 people there. There were. <laughs> Ten minutes. Did you get Ten them to minutes. speak to each other? Yes. That's what yes. you do? Yes. <sighs> it's that's so what obvious. You do. It's so obvious. That's, that's been the biggest frustration I've been to. As Occasionally I can remember a speaker <laughs> that was just pontificating from the stage and I'm going, I wouldn't mind having a conversation with the person next to me about this because mm. there were 400 people in the room. Yep. And that's and what you do. And it woke, it, woke, it would wake me up. I was falling asleep because that, that speaker was fire hosing. Yep. Nina, yep. every 10 minutes in that meeting, we've got 462 people from 192 countries. They're all speaking a second language. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Half of them aren't going to pick up what's being said. And they're all, you know, we've all got headsets on within simultaneous translation. Oh, right. Yeah. So the minute they they can have a conversation with someone, how long would you allocate? Five minutes, three minutes? Oh, no. At that level, 30 seconds each. Oh, right. So and what, you would do that thing? throughout the meeting, frequently throughout the meeting. Yeah, yeah. So if someone has yeah, a burning it, question. It quick like, quick big, meeting, big meeting technique. The uh, first thing you do is ask them to talk to the person next to them and share one idea that they've just heard of, that right. they'd like to talk about in the break. And I give them 30 seconds each mm. and then pull them back. The next time I do it, I get them to talk to the person in front or behind them because they likely to know the person beside them. Correct. And um, we we don't want fixed mindsets, so we want them talking to as many people as we can. And I get them, when they go to the break, I ask them to find those people they spoke to and continue the conversation. Oh, isn't that great? And there's... there's Automatically they're meeting new people as well. Conversational equity, exchange of ideas, integration of culture. Uh, we've, we've just got to get out of autopilot. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's the key, Alan. You've, you've so now... We're so habitual. 
Yeah. Mina, you and I have a characteristic about us that I want to declare to the group. Yeah. You and I are both snappy dresses. <laughs> yes. And you and I both have an amazing collection of glasses. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, the world is boring. And the more corporate you become, the more boring we are. <laughs> and I, 30 years ago, I heard John Scully, who was the CEO of Apple Computer at the time, 35 years ago. And I heard Scully say something. And when he said it, I thought, that's going to change my life. Right. And his comment was, successful people fit in first and then stand out. And I went, whoa, I like that. And then he said, and the really successful people fit in and stand out at the same time. Mm. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> and I started my glasses collection the next day. And I've always had a large collection of glasses. Well, if you'll forgive me, I'll just reach into the drawer and get my other one just to show you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not surprised. I've admired your glasses for years. <laughs> Let me just see. <laughs> Here's yeah, my I, other pair. I love those. <laughs> Nina, I think we're so locked into autopilot, and it's largely because we try to do too much with too little. And we're always rushed and busy. And we got no choice but we take the shortest route. Yeah. And the shortest route is is okay. But the shortest route is never exciting. Right. It's never exciting. Or innovative. Or innovative. Yeah. Uh, and it's not until we say, hang on, let's just pause for a minute. What other things might we do here? Now, it might only take 60 seconds to do that. But if I'm doing the same thing and we're going in a straight line, I'll get caught up in addiction to adrenaline and cortisol. Mm. And that'll keep me going. But it switches off my frontal lobe in my brain, which does my comprehensive, systemic, systematic, complex thinking. Yeah. And if I don't stop and pause and go, hang on just a sec, let's just survey the land here, what's going on? What other ways could we do this? How could we just tweak it and improve it? Just a tiny bit. Ask to ask that question frequently. Regular. How else could we do this? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I go into meetings in organisations and people are sitting in the same chairs. You're sitting in my chair. How dare you? And you talk about we talk about fixed mindsets. It's mindset. a boardroom. <laughs> we got fixed mindsets at the top of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The research showed that square and rectangle tables didn't produce as much quality communication as circular tables 35 years ago. Yes. And we've still got rectangle tables. And chairs still sit at the top of them. Board boardroom design hasn't really changed much in Talk thirty about, something years. Talk about fixed mindsets. Oh gee, yeah, mm. yeah. And um, 
And my way of being in the world at this stage of my life is not to go tapping on the boards to get them to change because I find them to be the least changing. Yes. And the least changing. I find them to be the most fixed in their mindsets. Boards of companies, organisations. I find them to be out of touch. Oh. Yeah. And I find them to be fixed in their process. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why is that? Oh, because they've done the same thing over and over. They're addicted to habit. And board members choose the next board member, so they pick people just like them. Absolutely do. Yep. So it's legacy. Yep. Mm. Only, only a year, two years ago, I was asked to sit on a board, ask if I would put forward a submission to sit on a board, and I uh, applied for another board. And in both cases, one of them said to me, we really wanted you and we believe we desperately need you, but we don't think we're ready for you. And I said, I think that's one of the greatest compliments I've ever had. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised they didn't say, and by having you on board, it will make us ready for you. That's that's because you're Nina Sunday. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. <laughs> that's because you're Nina Sunday. Um, I don't want to get caught up in them because they they they're not very receptive to to news. Um, in you know, and I've I've got enough experience behind me now to be brazen enough to say that, and I'm also brave. You know, I I encourage people every day to be braver. Well, how, just probably in closing, because we're sort of reaching yeah. the end of our time, what would be the best piece of advice you could give a manager or, an, or aspiring manager how to deal with difficult team members? Oh. Prickly, prickly team now, members. There's no one who's going to hear this who's going to like it. But okay. you've asked the question, let me answer it. Yeah. Take 100% responsibility for the person being difficult. Yeah. Because I I truly, deeply believe they're, they're only difficult people. Right. They're only, they're people well, difficult behaviour. There are people who I find difficult. Right. Yeah. Aha. And I have expectations that they'll behave in a particular way. Right. And do I... Have I modified or checked what my expectations are? And if I want them to change, when did I last change my expectations of them? Mm -hmm. Now, change your expectations. There are some people, see, if people don't demand enough of Alan Parker, Alan Parker gets bored. Yeah. Right. And I have a partner who's the exact opposite. Have no expectations and you'll get extraordinary outcomes. Mm. And the average manager doesn't stop and go, what are the expectations I'm overtly and covertly messaging to this person? Mm. And are they what the person needs? And how many different approaches have I used with them? Mm -hmm. Because most people do the same thing over and over and then get confused that the people don't change. 
I've told them 50 times. I go, well, don't tell them again. <laughs> and I haven't found a person in my career who didn't respond well and change their behaviour. Ever. If I were calm, composed and appreciative and listened and acknowledged what they said and showed interest in their point of view of the world. By asking questions. Absolutely. And I think the key there is Absolutely. to be curious and ask questions instead of uh, accusations. You're playing games when you do that or you blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like you could even if you wanted i don't know whether how well this would be received do you think by doing that you're playing games they can well, then justify see playing games is your judgment of their behavior yeah see we hallucinate what people's intentions are yes we do it's we called matter of infer inference we must not I, one of the best lessons i ever had in my life was john grinder the found one of the founders of nlp Yes, I yes. said to John at one stage, John, what have I got to do to excel my career? And he said, oh, Alan, that's easy. <clears throat> he said, um, you've got to, um, if you're going to assume anything about a human being, you've got to assume that their intention is positive. Yes. And it's your task to find their positive intention for the peculiar behavior that they're doing. Mm. And boy, oh boy, that took me 10 years to get good at. But I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. And I went, what is the intention of this person doing that behavior? And how can I support the deeper intention? Except not, not the dysfunctional behavior. Except are there organizational psychopaths whose intention is not necessarily? Oh, yes. Yeah, but that's <laughs> benevolent. It's um, there is, but unless and in fact, if it's a psychopath, there's nothing you can do about it. So forget them, just leave, spot them and leave. Hmm. But we've we've got to stop going. What about the psychopath? We've got to start going. Well, there's another ninety percent here who I could still get connection with. That's right. What a gift. Hmm. And my last comment is, no matter what's going on, go and experiment with a belief that something rich could occur. Mm -hmm. An experimentation. We have this false belief that we've got to know what to do before we do it. And right. if we just experiment with different ways, yes, those Look for that second option. Look for that third option. Look for that fourth option. Mm -hmm. And look for the fifth one. And the fifth one, I've just got to be brave because I won't be confident about the fifth one. But the fifth one is often a gem. Yeah. Alan, you have shared such wisdom with us today. You've really nailed some some approaches, um, just perspectives on how to deal with interpersonal mm. communication in the workplace and with your with in life, really. You're a very wise person. Thank you for sharing that gold. Nina, I think we just created a beautiful conversation. We did. And I say thank you. It was a joy and 
a pleasure every moment to be with you. Thanks so much, Alan. See you again soon. See you again. Bye-bye. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.